from the NFL. We know the Browns have talent, but I'm not sold on this rookie head coach. To the NBA. Kawhi Leonard has added his name as one of the best players in basketball. Across the landscape of college football. The Pac-12 got how many teams in the top 25? And so much more. Boxing needs a Dana White. It has too many chefs in the kitchen. The stories you want. The Zeke Elliott holdout could be coming to a close. The opinions you need. LeBron is coming back with revenge on his mind. The king is back. It's Jay Wise. I keep telling y'all my last name is no joke. And Nathan Drinkard. If they don't win this game, it's a wrap. Stick a fork in them. They're done. This is a Drink of Wisdom. Welcome to Drink of Wisdom with Nathan Drinkard. I'm Jay Wise. Thanks for spending some of your time with us. What's up, Drink? What's up, Jay? What we got today? I'm so glad you asked. In episode five, Daniel Jones and Josh Rosen are in. The Titans go down, and we preview the biggest weekend thus far in college football. But we begin with the New England Patriots releasing Antonio Brown. The Patriots signed Brown on September 7th, only hours after the embattled wide receiver was let go by the Oakland Raiders. Not long after Brown Brown signed on, news broke of a civil suit filed by Brown's former trainer, containing three separate allegations of sexual assault, and Thursday, another woman came forward accusing Brown of sexual misconduct in 2017. So, Drink, you see the Patriots suffering on the field without Brown, and is this the last we've seen of A.B. in the NFL? No, the Patriots don't suffer without Brown. Let's be real. This is the Patriots we're talking about. They can make anything happen. I think three years ago I seen a floppy this and a stop sign out there. Um, now, as far as seeing them in, in the NFL again, I don't think we'll see them again in 2019. Uh, we will – and I do think we will see him in the NFL again if he doesn't get convicted. Now, if he does get convicted, that's a total different situation. But if he doesn't get convicted, um, yeah, we'll, we'll see him again. Look, we talked about this numerous of times. First of all, we couldn't even believe Antonio Brown was wearing a Patriots uniform. That's first of all. Secondly, he, had, he got the second chance that he wanted. He got the second chance that he wanted. And he he I'm not going to say he didn't appreciate it because he went out there and he performed in the one game that he played. But these allegations evidently was too much to to overcome. And the Patriots had to do what they had to do. They had to cut ties because you get you start getting into, you know, losing sponsorships and stuff like that. You, you got to at some point enough is enough, whether it's true or not. Hey, you know, he, he is not on the commissioner exempt list as of now. However, when, you know, what a saying that they say where there's smoke is fire. And that seems to be the case here. Something that happened. We don't know the, the, the ins and outs. We just know what we hear with the breaking news. Something has happened here. Um, with that said, you know, I, I think the Patriots made the right move because, like I said, they don't need Antonio Brown to be successful. Antonio Brown, if you ask me, needed them more than they needed Antonio Brown. He needed the career resurrection from being on the Patriots, not the other way around. So the Patriots cut him loose. Now, what I found kind of funny as I'm doing the research here is had Antonio Brown kind of drug this out until Monday, right, he would have got $5 million of his signing bonus. So I want to I backtrack here a little bit. So he started the sum off, supposedly getting $30 million guaranteed. 
he didn't get that. He got like you know a couple hundred thousand. Then he 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 caused all types of shenanigans and turn and flips it from going to a, a bad team to a good team. Then the good team say, "Hey Antonio, you stay on your good behavior. We'll give you nine million for a signing bonus. We'll sign you for fifteen. How you like that? How did that sound? Absolutely, Bill. Show me the dotted line, baby. And now he's not gonna get that either. So let me guess. So you start the summer with the possibility of getting thirty million dollars guaranteed, and at this point of the season, you only made something around a hundred and fifty thousand dollars." Now, I understand some of the stuff he'd have done, and I said this in past shows, was genius. But this here, I mean, as a financial standpoint, he did himself absolutely zero favors with these allegations. Um, I don't I don't know, man. I, I hope these I hope it turns out that they, these allegations are not true. I'm not one that likes to really talk about a whole lot of sexual assault rape cases i seen that he did send threat threatening text message to um one of the alleged victims but with that said to go back to the original question no they don't need him why, why would you need antonio brown when you got julian Edelman, josh gordon philip dorsett okay i know people gonna say philip who philip dorsett he's gonna come alive give, give him a minute give him a minute he's gonna get more snaps now that antonio brown is out the situation all right this team is going to be okay. Bill, as long as this team, and I always say this, and I'm going to say this again, as long as the Patriots got Bill and Tom and a steady defense, hey, like I said, a couple of floppy discs, you know, an iPhone 4, they can make it happen. They going to the Super Bowl, baby. So, Antonio Brown, this is the second time you got fired on your day off this offseason. You might want to get it together. And that, hey, that's what I got to say about that. Oh, boy. Mm. I must admit, I'm going to tell you straight up to start off. I'm not advocating, not going to advocate for no one to lose their job. I think it's a shame. I don't want people to lose their money, especially when you see some of these coaches lose their jobs. Um, but I, I'm not going to lie to you. You won't find me shedding no tears over Antonio Brown being released by the New England Patriots. When you consider all the shenanigans he's engaged in this offseason. And if you do you remember when we were talking about whether or not this was one big elaborate scheme by Antonio Brown to get from the Steelers to the Patriots by way of the Oakland Raiders? Yeah, absolutely. Now, if I was I was a bit I'm I'm still a bit skeptical of that. I don't know if I don't know if that was contrived and manipulated, actually carried out. And execute it. But if it was, if that was the plan, man, I'm not a big believer in karma. But boy, oh boy, <laughs> if you believe in karma, you're, the the stock mark, the stock price of karma is booming. Antonio Brown, not booming. Business is not booming, AB. It's like it's like they saying that they say what goes wrong comes around. Absolutely. That motherfucker have made a full circle. Absolutely. So now. Back to the original question. Are the Patriots going to suffer on the field? No, absolutely not. Not even close. I will say this. They traded Demarius Thomas away to the New York Jets. So they are, they are a little thin behind Philip Dorsett. Their top three, I like their top three with Josh Gordon, 
Julian Edelman, and Dorsett can also play. Behind them, they got two undrafted rookies and the NFL's best gunner, Matthew Slater, who he's not probably not going to do a whole lot for you from the what, wide receiver what, position. What What about um um Harry Neal, the the first round pick, the guy that got in the first round? C- Canito. I think Harry- he's injured right now. I think like, he's injured right now, if I'm not mistaken. But on the field, they, I don't see I don't see the Patriots suffering at all. If you consider what they have from a coach quarterback perspe- uh, perspective with Bill Belichick and Tom Brady, we all know as long as those two dudes are around, the New England Patriots are going to be a factor just as they have been for going almost the last 20 years. That's how long we've been going. Is this the last we've seen of AB in the NFL? I'm going I'm to go ahead and. I'm going to go ahead and admit up front, you are probably right. We probably will see A.B. again, probably not this season, but there will, there probably will be a team next season that will give him another chance. Although I'm going to go ahead and take the position that this will be his last, the last time we see A.B. I think when Bill Belichick comes out 11 days after signing you and you think about all the players that the Patriots have brought in with quote unquote character flaws and and Bill Belichick bails on you after basically a week and a half. I think that, I think that in some, that that's not, that is not good. That's damaging to Antonio Brown. So, and I don't think, and if you recall when we talked about this previously, I, I was of the position that I didn't even think Bill Belichick and the Patriots would sign this guy. They obviously proved me wrong. When they brought him in, I believe it was they signed him on September 7th, and it, we this it was the question out there that would Antonio Brown be able to conform and would he fit in to the Patriot way? Per, that, now perhaps he did, perhaps he was kind of on that track, but these, these allegations that came out threw that all out of whack. And then you mentioned the threatening text messages that he sent. The latest accuser the i believe is the artist that worked for brown in 2017 that i didn't find them to be threatening but more just demeaning like what talking about like she's broke and just looking for money or all that type of stuff. i mean what what would like what would make you believe like ab yeah that's that's a good idea yeah go ahead and do that like you, you're not you're not helping yourself here we're talking about antonio brown here like that's, that's, no, that's true. That's true. That's he, true. So irrational stuff. So that's right. That's right. Absolutely. So, I, yeah. So I just the Patriots aren't going to suffer at all. They've they've outscored their first two opponents, seventy six to three. This defense is elite. When you think about what they have on that side of the ball, especially in the secondary with Stephon Gilmore, they got two, they got the McCourty boys back there, and then on offense, offensive line solid. Tom Brady's there. Sony Michelle got them other two running backs. Great catching passes. Great catching passes out of the backfield. They're going to be just fine. And I think when it's all said and done, we'll see the Chiefs and the Patriots in the AFC Championship game, just like we planned. Remember, AB's been among the best wide receivers for years now. I don't recall the Steelers ever making the Super Bowl with him, so it won't be a factor for the Patriots either. I mean, with him. Uh, Le'Veon Bell and uh, Big Ben, you know, they don't get no better than that as a trio. And That's they, right. And they did not get to the Super Bowl together. So they let you know talent ain't the answer to everything. That's right. 
Now, <laughs> speaking of, you know, a little change, since the Patriots going through a little change, they won't be the only team in the AFC East that's going through a little change. This weekend, we set to have two young guns to make their first starts for their respective team. First, we'll go with Miami. Miami set to have Josh Rosen start for them, the former number two, I mean, number 10 pick in the draft. And then the New York Giants got last year's number six overall pick, uh, Daniel Jones, to start for them. Uh, with that said, Jay, which one of these two young guns you see doing the most in the future? I'm going to admit right off the bat that I think my opinion is going to be an unpopular one. I'm taking the young man out of UCLA, the second-year man, Josh Rosen. And here's why, and here's why. Got to hear this. Let's think about let's think about Daniel Jones and what he's walking into. Daniel Jones is replacing a potential Hall of Fame, two-time Super Bowl MVP winning quarterback who has started 232 of the last 233 regular games in Eli Manning. Now, we got it, and we got to admit, Eli, the past three years now, he ain't been nothing to write home about. He got benched a couple years ago by Ben McAdoo for Geno Smith for one game. So he's been in, minds of, in my mind, your mind, and the minds of many NFL pundits out there. He's been cooked for a long time. Hey, well, look, as a career, I'm sorry, I just had to say this. As a career, if you take away those two Super Bowl seasons, Eli Manning has been a 500 quarterback. Go back and look at it. No, I'm talking. Yeah, I got you. 116, 116. I'm with you. I'm just saying, but we can't, we can't discount those super. I'm with you. If he don't have those Super Bowls, it's a wrap. Forget it. But he does. So, and that's why I say potential. I don't think he's a sure thing. But that's, a, but that's a different subject for another day. Yes, sir. So I say, I say that to say Daniel Jones, in in the minds of some New York fans, Eli Manning's a legend. When you consider what he did taking down the New England Patriots, not once, but twice, including the 18 and old New England Patriots, who some believe were unbeatable. You know, so that's what that's what that's what Daniel Jones is walking into. And also, we also got to take into consideration the draft hype surrounding Daniel Jones. Nobody expected him to go six overall that early. Nope. The two quarterbacks we were looking at were Kyler Murray. Obviously, he went first overall. And I thought, and I think you uh, thought as well, that the next one would be Dwayne Haskins at Ohio State. Of course, he fell down to 15, drafted by the Redskins. Daniel Jones, to me, when you look at his college resume, also we, we got we to take into consideration he was playing at Duke, so he wasn't necessarily surrounded by, you know, the four-star four and five-star guys all around the field. He wasn't, but he did have a quarterback whisper, David Cutcliffe. As he did. He did, and and maybe that, that that could also have contributed to why the Giants were compelled to draft Daniel Jones because we know David Cutliffe close with the Mannings. Yeah. But but again, I thought Daniel Jones was a bit of a reach at that at that uh, at that draft position. I didn't expect him to go in the first round. And to be quite honest, when you with you when I watched Daniel Jones in college, I came away totally unimpressed. I must admit, fifty two touchdowns, twenty nine interceptions. In 36 starts, completed about 60% of his passes. Just not all that impressive to me. Now, on the other side, Josh Rosen. Josh Rosen is replacing Ryan Fitzpatrick. 
Not only that, consider this. The last great quarterback the Miami Dolphins had is Dan Marino. It's still been that long since the Dolphins have had a bona fide big-time starting quarterback. Do you know Josh Rosen? He's going to be the 21st starting quarterback that has started a game since Dan Marino. Yo, this this sounds like that old revolving door the Cleveland Browns was having. Huh. It's, it's, it's absolutely similar to that. Billy Joe, he could write a song about that. <laughs> you say, you say, listen, let's take a look at some of these names. Damon Heward, Ray Lucas, A.J. Feely, Gus Farratt, Cleo, Cleo Lemon, John Beck, Tyler Thigpen, R- Rock Osweiler. I mean, some of, the, some of these guys, you look back and you would have to actually Google them to figure out who they were. I mean, who, who is Cleo Lemon? Hold on. Well, I don't know who that is, I'll tell you right now. But they did have Smoking Jay Cutler. Look at Smoking Jay Cutler. I don't, believe, I don't believe he was there very long. And <laughs> some of the, and yeah, you're right. Some of the names that you do recognize, they weren't there very long. Remember when they signed Dante Culpepper over Drew Brees? Disaster. In, remember, they brought in Jay Cutler. They had Ryan Tannehill for a few years. And now he's gone in Tennessee. So the point is, the Dolphins are stars for a quarterback, any type of quarterback. They got a young guy in there now. Remember, Josh Rosen drafted by the Cardinals last season, 10th overall, ended up being a horrific situation. You get drafted 10th overall, and then the team you're on winds up being the worst team in football, and they drop right into the number one overall pick of the most recent draft. They get Kyler Murray with that pick, so they ship him off to Miami. You could argue he is in the exact he's in the exact situation same situation he was in last year. And that brings me to my point. The reason why I'm going Josh Rosen right now is because the expectations for him are at the are at the floor. Matter of fact, they're below the floor. They're in the basement. Nobody expects anything out of Josh Rosen because of this team. I'm gonna tell you, all Josh Rosen has to do is in some way, shape, or form resemble an NFL quarterback. He'll find himself on another team next year, and I'm going to just go ahead and bet that it's going to be an exponentially better situation than he's been on his first two years. I'm including this year with the Dolphins as well. If he can win, look, people are talking about the Miami Dolphins being 0-16. They'd be, they'd be the third team that that would happen to. That's how moribund and abysmal they've looked through the season's first two weeks getting blitzed by the Ravens, 59-10, and then the Patriots beat them 43-0. So that's, that's how embarrassing and moribund they have been. So if Josh Rosen can come in and, look, if he wins one game, I think the Dolphins, I think he'll find himself on another roster next year because the Dolphins, you know, they're going to have a number one pick most likely. And even if he, ex- let's just say he exceeds expectations and he finds a way to quarterback them, out of the number one overall pick, the Dolphins, in that case, they could be compelled to say, oh, we like this kid, Josh Rosen. And we got all these draft picks that we can just use those to build this team around this young gun. So for those reasons, I'm going Josh Rosen. Uh, I'm going uh, Daniel Jones for, for the obvious fact. You, you, get, you made my case. It is no way Josh Ro- Josh Rosen is not he's not gonna be a star because he's never gonna he's like a man without a village or a man without a community however that saying go 
He's just going to float. It, it seems as if he's going to float from team to team. I'm sorry. You cannot be successful that way. You have to have to you got to find somewhere, make, you know, mark your territory and you go from there. One thing about the Giants is this. One thing the Giants have showed us, they are loyal. They, they, they are pretty, they're pretty loyal. Now, I know people are going to say, what happened to Odell Beckham? Odell Beckham got Odell Beckham out of New York. It wasn't the Giants. It was Odell Beckham and his antics and talking and all this other stuff. So before people attack me and say, they got Odell Beckham out, go back and read the facts. Odell Beckham got Odell Beckham out. Now, back to Daniel Jones. They drafted this young man. They got – let me backtrack. You remember how much flack – that uh, the GM got when he benched Eli for Geno Smith? Yes. He got a lot of flag. Everybody, you can't do this, Eli. This, this. The media ate him up. This. God's a legend. How much flack do we hear now, now that he benched for Daniel Jones? At that point, they didn't have an obvious answer, a quarterback like they do, They like they think they do now. That's fine, though. Even though if, if you – okay, if a quarterback is playing bad, you, it, it don't matter if you got – the quarterback is playing bad. Like, he, he's not playing good. He's, no, he's not playing good now just like he wasn't playing good three years ago. The, the only difference is now the New York Giant faithfuls have faith in Daniel Jones now. When the pick was made, you heard a lot of boo birds. Now – People are like, hey, let's give this guy a chance. We've seen him throw a little bit. We've seen his decision-making, a little maturity. You know, yeah, it was a preseason. Let's give him a chance. We will see now what he's made of. This young man has a better chance to be a brighter star. You make it in New York, you can make it anywhere. And here's the deal. He can make it in New York. They're going to give him the pieces now. They have handed those franchise keys over. He got Quan Barkley. He got Sterling Shaw. He got Evan Ingram. Yo, you say that now. You say that now. There are only a couple of offensive linemen away from being a, a pretty decent offense. But if you're going to look at it like that, then that means Rosen shouldn't even be in this conversation because he got nothing. Daniel Jones got something. Then Rosen has anything. I can't. I just can't believe Rosen going to ever survive just because he can't stay on the team long enough. He's a, if he go if he don't stay with the Dolphins and they boot him, he goes somewhere. That'll be his third team in three years. It's gonna be a little hard for you to convince me that he's gonna be a star doing all that moving. Daniel Jones would be a star because he has a lot of backing behind him. Yes, I understand his college career wasn't impressive. I got that. His draft stock wasn't. But you know who else college career wasn't that impressive? The GOAT, Tom Brady. He comes in here. Running, looking like a doggone hot pocket at the combine when he was running his forty, and hey, it seemed to turn out pretty well for him. So it's not about where you get where you play that; it's about what you do once you get in the NFL. And I think Daniel Jones has what it takes because if he didn't, Eli Manning would still be the starter, and he wouldn't have got picked number six. He had the interview for the, the job. And they evidently they seen something they like. Yeah, David Cutcliffe probably played a, he played a big role in it. I'm not gonna say he didn't, but it was something about the young man that they liked that they say, hey, we'll take him before we take Dwayne Haskins. That should that should be a surefire starter. And they still and they went out on the limb. And now I think this limb is gonna pay off for them 
now and in the near future. So, yes, you got that right. I'm going to take Daniel Jones in this one. That's going to be the start. New York, stand up. Let me let me ask you this. If Daniel Jones and Josh Rosen had been in the same draft, would you take Daniel Jones over Josh Rosen? No, I would have took Josh Rosen. Okay. Okay. But see, you got to answer the question now. We got to take into account that Josh Rosen been moving moving around like a homeless kid with a little hobo pack and Daniel Jones is a little in a more stable community. I but don't think I don't think that's his fault at all. I think this is this is have we, we've never seen something like this. It's not his fault, but that does not mean it won't make an impact on him as a player. It could. It could, but there will look, you know, you know as well as I do that there, there will be a team that come next year. If the Dolphins don't stick with him, there will be another team that will take into consideration the fact that the two situations he has been put in have been absolutely horrible. And who who would succeed in those situations? Okay, but the, here's my problem. What they're going to do is they're going to do the same thing the Dolphins did. Bring them in as a two, then see how the one work out, and then, oh, all right, put Josh out there. Then he's going to be doing the same thing again. He's He, he had his shot of kind of being the one last year, and he got a raw deal. I'm not going to – I'll be um, an idiot to say that he didn't get a raw deal with Arizona. He got a raw deal. He's got a raw deal right now. Yeah, and he got a raw deal now, but – I don't see it getting better. Like, if he doesn't come out here and blow the doors off, he's going to run into the same thing next year with another team. There's no team that's going to say, hey, we're going to skip drafting the quarterback and bring in Rosen. The Miami Dolphins was that team to do that. If it was any team that was going to do that, it was the Miami Dolphins. And you, you see how that turned out. Did you think um, they Did you think they plan on being this bad? Um, They didn't have a quarterback. They didn't have a quarterback to start the season. Whether they was this bad or not, they didn't have a quarterback. That's why they traded for Rosen. Then all of a sudden, Fitzpatrick is starting the season. Why? Because evidently they didn't have enough tr- trust in Rosen, or he didn't know the playbook, as they say. But Fitzpatrick knew the playbook somehow. I don't know. But that—that's what I'm saying. It's like I don't—I just don't see it in that Josh Rosen get that community that he needs to be a star in in today's NFL. I just don't see it. I think any—I think any situation, if he's not a Dolphin next year. Even if he starts the season next year as a number two, the situation he'll be in, it, it, there's no way it can be a, as bad as the first two seasons he's first two teams he's been on. But even if if the situation is good, let's say it's perfect, he got all the supporting cast. That means the guy that's number one probably going to benefit from that supporting cast just as well as he would. It could. He's going to be could. on the bench. Then, then what is going to be? Then what the excuse going to be? You know what I'm saying? That that's what I'm saying. Daniel Jones is just in a better situation now. Because New York is ready to hand him the keys, where Josh Rosen is kind of looking around and, come on, guys, help me out, guys. Yeah, I'm a good guy. Give me a chance. Like, that's Josh Rosen. Like, Daniel Jones over here like, yeah, it's my time. It's my time to put on the show. Let's roll, baby. So One more, one more note on Daniel Jones. Remember, remember those fans that were booing him at draft night and just could not believe the selection? Yes. I got you. I got you on the preseason, and that's nice. Twenty nine, thirty four, whatever it was, couple touchdowns, no interceptions. That's real nice in the preseason. I'm gonna tell you this much: he better come out the gate smoking hot, or you know, them fans will be on him. The media in New York is gonna be on. It is no joke. Nope. They you will be. They will. 
nope, nope. They're going to say the same thing they saying about Baker Mayfield. Oh, that offensive line ain't giving him the time. He ain't got an offensive line. Blah, blah, blah. He ain't got an offensive line. That's what's going to be said. He's going to get an excuse. Watch. Watch what I tell you. You don't have a built-in excuse about that offensive line. Baker, Baker Mayfield and Josh Rosen don't play in New York. And they're not succeeding Hall of Famers or potential Hall of Famers. True. Well, potential. I'm, I'm going to put a big asterisk by potential. Drink. Let's turn to Thursday night football. The Jacksonville Jaguars broke into the win column with a 20-7 home victory over the Tennessee Titans. Rookie six-round pick Gardner Minshew threw two first-quarter touchdowns, and that was pretty much the game as the Titans' offense sputtered throughout. The Jags' defense reverted to its Saxonville ways with nine of them against Titans quarterback Marcus Mariota. Both teams moved to one and two on the season. So, Drink, is this win something the Jaguars can build upon? Or do you see the Titans bouncing back and being the better team when the season concludes? Well, hey, I thought I thought the Titans was a better team, but let me tell you, I'm I'm, I'm over it. Jaguars are definitely going to build off this. Uh, that that young rookie that came in, he done made his his stay. And I'm gonna tell you, I think the Jaguars are going to be in a somewhat of a, a situation if this young rookie going to miss you keep playing this well. When Nick Foles uh, be able to come back and throw the football again, they're going. Tom Coughlin going to have a decision to make. Like, do I stay with the hot hand young rookie, or do I, you know, let let this guy that paid all, all this money to come back? I think it's going to be a situation. Let me tell you something. Saxonville was back last night. Saxonville stand up, Duval stand up. They was back last night. Hey, I thought Calais Campbell was in uh, witness protection in the last couple of years. He came back. Yeah. Oh, man. Look, he was in that backfield so much, I thought I seen him back there pitching the tent. I said, man, what? Is Calais out there camping? What are you doing? Look, I was impressed with the defense. I thought they came back. They had Mariota all off his game. Mariota was just... And, and here's why I think Jacksonville is going to capitalize off this. We've seen their first two games. With all this chaos going on with Jalen Ramsey and the coach and all this, they still found the way, their defense, and they found the way to show up with, and give you enough. And then you got a rookie quarterback that's out here, DJ Chart. Um, I tell you what, if, if D.D. Westbrook make a couple of more catches, I think Jacksonville put up more points. He dropped three three good ones last night. He did. Uncharacteristic. Yeah, it did. he did not look himself last night. And he, I say he made those catches, and we, we're talking about how did Jacksonville blow Tennessee out instead of who got the upside, right? So this Jacksonville could do nothing but go up from here. If Saxonville is back, your rookie quarterback is looking better and better as the weeks go by. You can't tell me this team ain't better than the team they had when they had Blake Bortles out there just sucking in money, not doing anything. What One thing they do need to do, and I think Miskew, the more he played, the more he can do it. If he can open up that offensive line a little more to make more run lanes for Leonard Fournette, because right now a lot of teams are putting eight in the box to stop Leonard Fournette. If that run game gets to going – I think we got some cooking over there in Jacksonville. Now, I think this is still Houston's division to win, but I think Jacksonville has some cooking. And even if they don't make the playoffs, 
you can only look at this as a positive from the way the season started, from the way you ended last season, and to the way that you're playing now. I think the defense, I mean, that they was looking good last night. And Miskewin, he got to be the future. Even, even if he's not a quarterback on Jacksonville roster, you got to believe, just like you said about Rosen, you got to believe this young man is going to end up on somebody's roster and possibly being the number one. So I think Jacksonville builds off this. And Tennessee, it's time to move on, baby. Mariota, you're done. You're done. Stick that fork in Mariota, you're done. I'm sorry. We done had a four-year sample, and we don't like what we sampling, buddy. Don't even call me about subscribing to your package no more because I ain't like it. So I, I, Tennessee going to have to draft quarterback. It's, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm over more. Mariota has showed nothing. He struggled so bad last night. And I know it's Saxonville, so people are like, well, Saxonville. Look, Mariota got to do better. Former number two overall pick, he has to do – I don't know what that was last night. He's too up and down. His time his time is definitely running out. So, the, for ne- yeah, Jacksonville, Saxonville, Duval. Oh, yeah, they on the rise again. Yeah, I'm I'm with you in this point. I uh, I saw the Titans as the worst team in the AFC South to start the year. I saw the Jaguars as being the third best behind Indianapolis and the Houston Texans. I'm st- I'm still of the mindset that that will be the case. Uh, the Titans. You think about Week One against the Browns. Came out there looking like gangbusters put an absolute hurting on the hype train that was the Cleveland Browns, beat them 43-13, and then they come back against basically two backup quarterbacks when you think about it. And Jacoby Brissett, he wasn't expected to be the quarterback in Indianapolis. They lay an egg in that game. And then last night against the Jacksonville Jaguars, 20-7 loss. So, the Titans don't look impressive. Marcus Mariota does not look impressive at all. Sacked nine times. I know we can point to the offensive line. I understand Taylor Lewan. He still is in, in the midst of serving his four-game suspension. So they had a reserve at left tackle. But I'm going to tell you what. It didn't matter who it was on that offensive line. The right tackle, Jack Conklin, Josh Allen was giving him the business all night. The young stud out of Kentucky. Calais Campbell in the interior. He was dominating the inside. He was in the backfield seemingly the entire game. I and I, I, get, I get that the – Marcel Darius, too. He was, he was having a well of a game, too. That's right. Marcel Darius is where there – was, there was a plethora of guys. I believe Dewan Smoot also had two sacks, so a bit of a coming-out party for him. So it didn't matter who it was. The Titans couldn't block it up. But, but also, Marcus Mariota, you gotta, I think we got to put some, a lot of this on him as well. Yeah. His pocket presence, to me, was – Absolutely abysmal. He didn't help his offensive line at all. There seemed to be times in the pocket where he looked confused. He looked lost. He didn't know where to go with the football. And most importantly, when you think of Marcus Mariota, you think of athleticism. You think of the ability to scramble. And you think of the ability that when you look at some of the great athletic quarterbacks that we see from time to time, one of the great things about, say, a Russell Wilson is Russell Wilson, can he can play behind, as you say, two stop signs and some boys from the corner store, and he's still going to find a way. He's doing that little spin move. He's doing all types of things to avoid pressure. And that's just not something you see with Marcus Mariota. We're in the fifth year of the Marcus Mariota 
era or experiment, whatever you want to call it. They didn't give him a contract extension. They're one and two right now. They got Ryan Tannehill as the backup quarterback. And after that performance last night, I got to believe at some point very soon, if Mariota continues this level of performance, we're going to see Ryan Tannehill very soon. And with that being said, we probably won't see Tannehill very, for very long because he'll be hurt and then he'll throw Mariota right back in there and he'll get sacked, you know, eight or nine more times or whatever it was. But he's been sacked 17 times in the first three games already. So that's just not a good look. So on the now, let, uh, one more note on this from both sides of the spectrum. You know, this is the sixth consecutive season that the Jaguars and, t- and Titans have been on Thursday Night Football. Six, six consecutive years. You know, the past four have all been duds. Just 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 blowouts, pretty much. 36-22 in 2016, 37-16 in 2017, and then last season, 30-9. All three of those games won by the Tennessee Titans. And then, let's be honest about last night. The Jaguars went up 14-0 in the first quarter, and the Titans really, they, they weren't in the game, in, in my opinion, throughout. Their offense really never put up much of a fight. Derrick Henry had one rush touchdown in the second half. But they weren't in this game. So that's that's four straight duds in this series. Can we can we get somebody else on Thursday night football? It, 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 let's not get carried away with all these divisional matchups. They're not all created equal. I don't I don't know if it's just them, though. I mean, let's let's just look at the three samples of Thursday night football we had thus far. I think it's just a it's something about playing on Sunday then turn around and playing on Thursday. Um, it's just, I don't know if the players be gassed or whatnot, but we just haven't had good content as far as Thursday night football go as a whole. And then you got two, you know, less than average teams playing in the annual Thursday night football game, it seems. You know, I think that's just the making of of Thursday night football in general. But yeah, like you said, get rid of, just because it's a divisional game don't mean we have to play Thursday night. You know, just put you could flex them on a Sunday or something. But you know, I, I'm I'm not you know the scheduler of the NFL game, so it is what it is. But I blame it more on Thursday night football. Yeah, so I, I think I believe Week Four should give us a chance to test that theory because I don't, I don't I believe you're right. I don't think the first the first three Thursday night matches have not been good, but we should have a good one next week when the Eagles travel to Lambeau Field to play the Packers. So. That should be a much better brand of football than what we witnessed on Thursday night, the first three weeks of the season. But anyways, back to the Jaguars. I didn't say much about the Jacksonville Jaguars. I'm going to admit to you, I've been very impressed by this young man, Gardner Minshew, coming out of Washington State and what he's been able to do early on in the season. It's still early. I'm not going to get I'm not going to completely buy in just yet. I want to see a little more. And again, 14, nothing very early on, including one seven yard drive, which was courtesy of a Dory Jackson just looking completely out of sorts on a punt return early on. Muffed the, muffed the punt. Jaguars in business early on. After that, though, Jaguars offense didn't do much of anything. The game sort of, it stalled. It was ugly. There was a lot of penalties. And then, of course, all the sacks on the Titans side. So I just, I, I want to see a little bit more from Gardner Minshew. But, but thus far, got to be very impressed when you consider he's coming out and he's a rookie six-round pick. I, I think we got to be very encouraged and shout out to the second year man at LSU, DJ Chark, after a, a relatively unimpressive rookie campaign. He's coming out smoking so far, so much so that I picked him up off the waiver wire last week. So, oh, yeah. 
I was just gonna give a shout out to Miss Q. Hey, I got you on my bitch on the fantasy team. Hey, you hey, if you step it up, I might have to. No, I'm just playing. I got Patrick Mahomes as a starter. No, don't worry about it. Hey, but hey, I just want you to keep balling, man. Do your thing. Absolutely. Hey, and let's uh finish this out with talking about Mariota. Okay. This is his last year in Tennessee. I don't think I don't think he comes back from this. And look, if Tannehill can somehow find some 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 magic beans or something to keep him healthy, it's very possible that we may not see Mariota whenever, whenever it is that Mike Vrabel decides, hey, we're pulling the plug on this dude. But you realize, let's take a look at Marcus Mariota and the Titans passing attack since he's been drafted. From 2015 to 2019, these are the Titans' statistical ranks in the passing, from, from a passing yards perspective. 26th, 25th, 23rd, 29th, and 24th. So, basically a bottom quarter of the league passing attack every season. So to me, to me, it's just, it's just interesting to me because I believe this is really the first instance of us, of the media really like putting a microscope on Marcus Mariota because it seems to me when you compare him to Jameis Winston, Winston's got, he hasn't gotten a pass at all for his performances. And to me, they're kind of the same level of quarterback. If you like go down a list and, you know, rank your quarterbacks that they're going to be at the bottom end of it. But it seems like Winston has gotten so much of the negative attention and it could be just some of his off, off the field type things with the, I believe it was the Uber driver or something. And then of course, you know, some of the transgressions that extend back to his college days. And then of course the, the propensity Winston has for turning the ball over. But to me, I think both of these guys got to be under the microscope and, to me, at least on Mariota's side, he can't he can't survive another performance like that last night, or it's it's a wrap for sure. Yeah, I agree. I, I think um, I think yeah, uh, Winston, his his behavior off the field hasn't helped him. But uh, enough about that NFL, because I like talking about football on Sunday, but I love to talk about football on Saturday. And this Saturday, we got a triple header for your baby. We got three, one, two, I mean three top 25 matchups. All right, we got number 11, Michigan, traveling down to Wisconsin to play the number 13, Wisconsin Badgers. All right, we got the number eight, Auburn Tigers, traveling over to uh, Aggie land to play the 17th ranked Texas A&M Aggies. And then the nightcap, the good old fighting Irish, travel down to Athens, Georgia, to play the number three Bulldogs. Now, with that said, Jay, we got an action-packed Saturday. But I got to know which game you think going to be closely contested. I think when it's all said and done, the closest game out of these three is going to come in the SEC with the Auburn Tigers taking on the Texas A&M Aggies. When I look at the Auburn Tigers and I look at Texas A&M, and I've watched, I watched Auburn play against Oregon, and I watched AM battle Clemson. I, I really like both teams on the defensive side of the ball. I thought, I thought Auburn was very impressive against Oregon in week one, uh, surprising, surprising some for the way they were able to handle Justin Herbert in the second half. And then AM against Clemson, I know it wasn't a losing effort, and AM's offense, they, they did no favors in that game. But I thought, I thought the. I thought Clemson, or A&M, excuse me, I thought A&M's defense was 
very impressive and competed well when you consider the amount of talent that the Clemson Tigers have on that side of the ball. So to me, I'm going to go with Auburn and Texas A&M as being the, the game that we'll see that will wind up being the closest when the, when the clock hits zero at the end of the fourth quarter because I think it'll be a relatively low-scoring game, and that will lead it to being the closest out of these three. Um, okay, okay. I respect that. I respect that. Um, I'm going to go twofold. The biggest blow, the, the one that won't be close, is Notre Dame in Georgia. I know you Irish fans. Y'all might not like it, and y'all got a big fan base, and it's Irish fans everywhere. You're done. You're, the overrated talk is really about to get loud. Because Georgia about to give you what I like to call the business. That's what they about to give you, the business. Let me tell you, I would not be surprised if Jake Prong comes out this game and had the cleanest jersey on the team. Because Notre Dame ain't getting the Jake Prong at all. They're going to be able to run the ball at will and throw the ball at will. Now, as far as the most contested game, I'm going to go to the other game, the number, uh, number 11 Wolverines against the number 13 Badgers. I think Michigan got something to prove. This is supposed to be Michigan year now. A lot of change that happened in Ohio State. This is supposed to be the year. They're supposed to put everything together. Jim Harbaugh, this year, oh, you got your quarterback? Okay. Oh, got a good defense? All right. You, can you make it happen this year, Jim? Can you make it happen? Now we're going to see. This is going to be the game that let us know. Wisconsin, they have a Heisman candidate in the backfield with Jonathan Taylor. The, the man is, and you heard me say, man, he is a stud back there. And that offensive line ain't nothing to sneeze at when it comes to pounding that ball. With that said, I still also think that Michigan have the assets and the talent to mitigate that rushing attack. I'm going to take, I'm going to take Wisconsin, Wisconsin in the game, though. I'm going to say that rushing attack will be too much. It would eventually wear down Michigan to the point to where it's going to be a close game. It's, it's going to be a close game. Uh, Jonathan Taylor runs it down. Wisconsin, Wisconsin wins, let's say, somewhere between three to six points. Wisconsin wins that game. And then the hype train of Michigan, they're out of here. The, the, number, the number eight Tigers versus the 17-ranked uh, Texas A&M Aggies, like you mentioned this earlier, both of these teams played in early, early highly ranked non-conference action. We've seen what Auburn can do, but that freshman quarterback, that stuff he pulled against Oregon ain't flying against Texas A&M. I don't care what Texas A&M looked like against Clemson. That crap ain't flying there, Bo Nix. It ain't flying at all. You think you finna get a gassed out Texas A&M in the fourth quarter? You're not. That's what happened. Let's be real here. Oregon played three solid quarters of football and ran out of gas in the fourth quarter, and Auburn took advantage of it. That ain't flying. One, it ain't flying because Texas, Texas A&M just a good enough team. But two, you're going to the home of the 12th man, and we know it gets loud there. It gets crazy there. And Jimbo Fisher ain't going to let that fly. I think that game would be highly competitive, but Texas A&M will pull away, and Auburn will have their first loss of the season. And like I said, I done made my bones about Notre Dame and Georgia. The Buck stops here. I don't want to hear anything about Ian Book after this because I don't think he's going to play well. And I know people are going to be, well, you know, the Irish, they play this tough schedule. Yeah, you know, they should get the – yeah, yeah, I hear you. Leprechauns and all. George is going to go ahead and make this statement. 
Georgia got Alabama on their mind. They got LSU on their mind. They got the, they got real top dogs on their mind. It ain't Notre Dame. So that action packed or not, Georgia will blow Notre Dame out, and that's the bottom line. And I can't wait to watch the action. Uh, the odds makers would have seemed to agree with you in the Georgia Notre Dame game. When I pulled up that game, I did not expect to see a fourteen and a half point spread in that game. So it would it would seem to it would seem that the betting public would agree with you in the sense that it will be a blowout. I consider a 14-point spread to be pretty, pretty, pretty outlandish when you consider this is a top-10 matchup. Yeah, I was just going to say for a top-10 matchup, you wouldn't think you see a, uh, odds like that, but I think the odds low. I think the odds should be like 21 points, but Vegas know what they're doing. They know how to get their money, so I let that be what it is. So, so Notre Dame, in that respect, uh, they're not getting, they're not getting much love at all in that respect. And I, I get it that we've seen Clemson in the college football playoff uh, last season. They did not perform well against Clemson despite their uh, undefeated record in the regular season. So we get all that. I would be, I don't, I can see Georgia winning by double digits in this game. Or I do, although I do, I would be surprised if it is a blowout. I, I could see Georgia winning by round ten or so. Uh, but I want to go. Let's go back to. Michigan, Wisconsin, because that's a that's a huge way to kick off Big Ten play for both of those programs. Uh, I think the big matchup to watch out in that game is Jonathan Taylor running the football against that Michigan defense, which uh, you look at Michigan in the first two weeks. They haven't been impressive at all against the likes of Middle Tennessee. They had some early struggles there. And then you go to double overtime against the United States Army. I mean, come on. What are we talking about here? Whoa, 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 whoa. Now, I'm one to you know, give Jim Harbaugh a hard time. But Army does this. Now, Army does this once a year where they play a top-notch team, they run their offense, drive all the time out of the clock, get in the overtime, and run out of gas. I'm going to give Michigan a little preview on this. It happens. Army does this. It's like an annual thing for them to take a top team. They did it to Oklahoma. They did it to a team before. So, you know, I don't want to beat them up too bad, but you're right. They should. They. That's not a game they should struggle with. Yeah, I got you. I got. And I, yeah, I got you from the Army perspective. We've seen that program really develop in the past uh, several years. So maybe, maybe I'm being a little too hard on. But, but it's just when you look at Michigan and the expectations that we have for them coming into the season, with, you know, the uh, Urban Meyer being gone from Ohio State, and we looked at that as perhaps an opportunity for Michigan to finally get over the hump, so to speak. And the way they've started out so far, it just would lead you to believe that maybe it'll be it'll just be more of the same for Jim Harbaugh and the Michigan Wolverines. I agree with you in this game. I like I like Wisconsin in this game on their home field with the Heisman candidate Jonathan Taylor. I think if uh, the quarterback Jack Cohen, if he can make, you know, just a few plays in the passing game, it's not going to take much with how good Wisconsin is running the football. And I, would be, I haven't liked what I've seen from Michigan's offense to this point. I, I thought I expected more from them with Shea Patterson in his second season. I haven't, I haven't been all that impressed so far. So, yeah, I'm taking Wisconsin that game, and I hate to agree with you <laughs> in, in each game. But I like, I like A&M. I like A&M at home. I think their defense will play well against the freshman Bo Nix. I, like, I think Kellen Mond, he'll bounce back from – from that uh, poor performance against Clemson, and we'll see more of the best of him. And I do agree, although I'm curious to see how how good Notre Dame is against Georgia and if they can measure up when it's all said and done. I think Georgia is too much. I think Georgia, when you look at 
how they're ranked number three. I think they are absolutely aptly ranked. I think they are the third best team in the country behind Clemson, Alabama. And I think, I think that depending on how the SEC shakes out, I think they are, they will be a most worthy college football playoff team. All right, Drink, it's time for rapid reaction. A lot of topics and a little bit of time. Take us away, Drink. All right, let's go, baby. The Carolina Panthers have ruled out Cam Newton for Sunday's game against the Cardinals. Your reactions? My reaction is it's just a, another tough break in the health of Cam Newton, just the expectations that me personally that I have for him, him being a former Super Bowl MVP. Just a tough break for him, but I guess we'll get introduced to the Kyle Allen show on Sunday, former teammate of Kyler Murray's at Texas A&M. Manny Pacquiao received news of possible brain damage following his most recent fight against Keith Thurman. Should he continue his boxing career? Um, it, it, it depends on how serious it is. I did read that as a, as he did suffer minor, um, minor injuries from that. But I say this, if he can get his second fight with Floyd Mayweather, he might push through. But if it ain't Floyd Mayweather, hang it up, Pacquiao, hang it up. The Houston Rockets have signed veteran Tabo Sevalosha to a one-year deal. Good move? I think so, when you consider his history of playing with Russell Westbrook and James Harden in Oklahoma City. I'll tell you one thing, he better bring his three-point stroke with him because you know they don't allow no mid-range shots. The Splash Brothers, Steph Curry and Klay Thompson, they've committed to playing in the 2020 Olympics in Tokyo. Will other superstars follow their lead? Absolutely. Like I said, we, we talked about this in the previous show. The Olympics ain't the world, it ain't the FIBA World Cup. The stars will show. This is just proof that it, it really will happen. Ravens defensive coordinator Don Martindale thinks Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes could be the next Tom Brady and Peyton Manning type robbery. Is he right? I don't know if he's right, but based off their matchup last year, 27-24 in overtime, it was exciting, it was compelling, and they match up again here on Sunday. And I think it will be good for the league if they can have an, um, a rivalry that sort of go trends in that direction. I think it's great for the league. Cleveland Browns have placed tight end David Njoku on IR. Is that a big deal? It is. It really is. Hey, you taking away a guy that was a, a big part of their offense. He was a pass catcher. Now you're going to bring in a relatively unknown guy. Yes, I think it, it is a really big deal. Yankees right-handed starter Domingo German has been suspended for the rest of the 2019 under the baseball domestic violence policy. What's your reaction to that? My reaction to that is because it's a big blow to the New York Yankees. Herman's been their most consistent starting pitcher this entire season with an 18-4 and record. He's got a great curveball. Yankees were talking about perhaps using him in a, as a bullpen role. They do have Luis Severino back to – Help that start rotation, but this this could be a devastating blow to the Yankees. Last one this weekend is Jair Rodriguez versus Jeremy Stevens fight in Mexico City as a UFC Fight Night Mexico City headliner. Who you got in that one? Hey, I got the young gun Jair Rodriguez. That boy is bad. He can move them elbows. He can move them knees. And I'm even going to say he's going to knock Jeremy Stevens out this weekend. All right. That concludes today's Drink of Wisdom. I'm Jay Wise. And I'm Nathan Drinking. And remember, make tomorrow better than today. Make today better than yesterday. And holler at you till next time.